Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast Show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast Show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast Show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Toddcast. So today we are joined by an interesting man named Branch. Branch, how are you today? Hey, Todd. Good morning. Awesome, man. How's everything going with you? Oh, truly blessed. I'll tell you, we've got great weather and uh, couldn't be better this morning. Beautiful. And where in the country are you calling from? Or are you in the country, I should ask? (laughs) Yeah, I'm here. Uh, I'm in South Central Arkansas, of course. Really? Yeah. Wow, South Central Arkansas. That sounds really nice. It's uh, country living? Country living. I live out in the woods and, uh, you know, with all the animals and away from town, so it's quiet and lots of things to watch. Yeah, man, totally. And thankfully, it's not uh, porch pirates stealing your packages and crazy neighbors getting out of control. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't have that problem. So, man, that's awesome. How did you end up there? Uh, Were you born in that area, or did you come from somewhere else? No, we came from somewhere else, actually. I used to live in the Dallas area and travel, you know, in in the southwest and southeast, and I... Had to do some work in Hot Springs, Arkansas, like a long time ago now. And when we were living in Virginia, my wife and I lived in Hawaii, and I had a book tour that started in Los Angeles and ended in Virginia, a nine-month tour across the country. And so when we got done with the book tour, my wife actually got a job there um, with a corporation, and so we were in in Virginia for about 10 years and when when she decided to retire she said well where are we going to live and and our children live in Texas but we didn't want to live in Texas so we managed to get down to Arkansas I said you might like hot springs so we came down here and we were here about 20 minutes literally and she said oh I love it so <laughs> we, we so for the next 18 months we, we would come down every six months and look for houses and look for a place to live and when she retired, we packed up and, and drove down here. It's, uh, Arkansas is a really well-kept secret. It's just a real beautiful state. Um, low population, clean air, clean water, clean soil, and low cost of living. So, Perfect. Uh, That's what I'm yeah, talking it, about. Yeah, it, 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 it works well for us. So we, we literally live out in the woods, and uh, so it's, it's pretty quiet. 
That's cool, man. Yeah, I live in uh, central Arizona in a little town that's about 20 miles from the nearest town town. And so we have to drive 20 miles through the dark mountains to get anywhere. It's kind of like the woods. We live at the, ex at the edge of town. Uh, but I've always dreamed of living out by myself. Uh, I really would like to do that one day. Uh, no neighbors, just nature. That sounds wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. And it's funny that you uh, live there because that's one of the places I'm thinking about relocating to. I'm trying to find out where the best place is going to be to buy a house, best weather, best crime stat, you know, things like that. And that was one of the places I thought about. Um, and still I'm thinking about actually. It just looks like a really wonderful place. You're right, it is a good secret. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it really is. Um, the people are great. Uh, it's a little crazy. It's a, I won't say it's backwards, but you know, a lot of people here don't see a whole lot of reason to change uh, and get caught up in the, in the drama. There's only two real populated places in the state, Little Rock, of course, where the capital is, and up in the northwest corner where Tyson and Walmart and uh, those corporations are headquartered. The rest of the state is very rural and very small. You know, the, the towns and cities are pretty small, so it, it's very different to living urban. Uh, that's that's for sure. What do you do for groceries and stuff? Um, do you have to drive, like, a long way into town, or, like, how does that work? No, actually, we're only about six miles from town, so it's oh, real lucky. convenient. That's yeah, but, but that that six miles is <laughs> you would never you would never know it. I mean, we are just literally in the middle of the woods, and uh, most of this area has never been set foot on by man. There's a lot of logging that goes on, but it is very rural and very forested. So it's close enough to get to town without too much trouble, but it's far and away far away enough, you know, that we don't get in, involved with any of the traffic or that kind of thing. That sounds great. Um, do they have like Costco's and, you know, Walmart oh, yeah. and all that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah just, they... like, just like real life. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. Isn't that funny? Oh, it's a shame that that's become what real life is. Um, but it is what it is, you know. Um, what are the gun laws like there, just out of personal curiosity? Do you know about very, that? Oh, yeah. Very liberal. Oh, good. Yeah, it's a very Second Amendment state. Very, very conservative. Um, well, you know, good. Neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. But sure. It's, yeah, everybody here owns weapons. I mean, they, there's a lot of hunting here. You know, mm -hmm. all kinds of hunting. And for us living out in the woods, we have foxes and bears and raccoons and mountain lions so you have to have some kind of protection mm -hmm. you know I, I i've got three dozen chickens and dogs and cats so mm. there's always prayer prey around looking you know the predators are here trying to get free meal oh so, um, do you have to do you have to defend your chickens and whatnot no I, i've got the place that you know an electric fence and stuff so we we did have problems when we first moved in but we fenced it off and no problems now but uh, we get a lot of critters that come up you know and, and they it's dinner time and they're looking for a free meal yeah one day elon musk will probably develop uh, some sort of attack chicken so that you can have like a chicken guard you know that'll go around and get the defenders out of there some weird 
genetic experiments. Wouldn't surprise well, me we, a bit. <laughs> we've already got one. It's called the rooster. Um, yeah. Yeah, the rooster. You know, the, he's the guard. He's the guard of the group. And anytime a predator comes around, he'll let everybody know. And that alerts the dogs, and they run out. Yeah, it's, it's just real, real, you know, nature at a kind of raw existence. So That's awesome. I'm hungry. I'm I'm looking for a meal, and I'm defending yeah. my territory. Yeah, yeah man. That does sound great. Have you ever had a crazy encounter with like a bear or a mountain lion? Uh, bear, yes. Mountain lion, no. Um, <laughs> foxes a lot. Raccoons a lot. Skunks, you know, the the close to the ground. We have a lot of deer that come up to the fence. Um, you know, yeah, just very wildlife like um, and, and it works for us. Yeah, man, I have to know because I'm curious and naturally afraid of bears. What happened? <laughs> uh, nothing. You know, they, they'll come within a distance where they can see you, but unless they're hungry or, or aggravated, we haven't had any problems. Uh, they they simply go on and about their business. I've got a couple of beehives, and that's what attracts them. And, uh, you know the, the honey, and uh, so I'm looking for some sweet. Yeah, but you know they they can't get through the fence, and we've got an electric fence around the <laughs> fence part, and so yeah, it's it's a little disconcerting, but they've never been aggressive. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. And uh, just out of curiosity, what is your age? I am 75. Wow, a lot of life experience. That's really yeah. good, really good. Yeah. Do you um, do you ever think about like when you were a kid and you know what you saw yourself doing and what you ended up doing and things like that and all that? Do you uh, reflect on those kind of things ever? Oh yeah, yeah. I as a kid, I you know I never had a passion for a career as such that you know I got into it and just was whole hog I just I was kind of a I don't want to say a renaissance kid but I enjoyed a lot of different challenges a lot of different kinds of activities so um, you know whatever it was we sort of tried it out and, and I, I grew up in a military family so we traveled a lot in a couple of different countries outside of the U.S. I was in a variety of different places in the U.S. So that kind of environment and upbringing, you know, you just automatically move every three or four years. So you've got new friends and new situations. So there's always that opportunity to try something new, whatever the, the trend or the fad was at that time or in that location. So, you know, my, uh, I was typical, average kid in an average household um, other than the travel and, and the new places all the time uh, after college I went into corporate sales and marketing for about 15 years and that worked well for my financial growth but it didn't work so well for my you know my psyche and my personal growth so mm -hmm. after that I, I did the exact, exact, exact opposite I spent the next two decades as a small business founder and entrepreneur and um, after that experience I, I decided I, I was compelled to write this book so for the last 25 years I've been a writer and publisher 
Oh, cool, man. Good. So that's your trade. Is you're an author. I'm an author. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, is your family whole? Like, are your parents still? Are they still together? Or no, that both my family. They're both dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess that was a stupid question. No, no. I might edit that out. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But, you know, my my dad passed early. My mother lived to a ripe old age, and uh, um, you know, I kind of, I left home about sixteen and and uh, was on my own. So, oh, yeah, it just you know, it just wasn't what, what it was. We had we had a big family and and, and struggles, and and so I was blessed that I had a couple of really close friends in high school mm -hmm. and um, I sort of lived off and on with them uh, float from one house to the next and and then as soon as I graduated you know I was gone it was, I, I left, left I was in California left there and went to Texas and started my you know college career so sort of left and never went back type of thing but that's crazy, man. So you were like entirely self-motivated, or was the family in support of all of that, or how, how did that all? How, how did that work? No, it was strictly self-motivated. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't a great home situation. Uh, my dad and I sort of had some were at odds a lot, and uh, I I had younger siblings who were real younger than I. You know, like. 13, 14, 15 years, so it's sort, sort of like two separate families, and so it was just easier for me to up and up and go and start my own life, and, and uh, you know, the it was always a challenge. That I've never, you know, been afraid to take on something new, even if I wasn't prepared to do it. Um, I figured, what the heck? It can't be too difficult to learn, and if it is, you know, you, you take what you learn and, and you move on with it. So yeah. that's sort of been my my existence is one challenge to the next. Some of them have, you know, produced great things and some of them have produced not so great things. But yeah. you know, the idea is to learn from each and, and become a better person, you know, for the next phase. Absolutely. Um, it seems like uh, having a difficult home life would be, you know, harder to work through. How did you get through that? Um, what, what was it that made it so that you, you know, a lot of people when their family doesn't support them, like myself, actually, um, it can really be a hindrance if you focus on it. And I guess you have a choice not to, but how did you overcome that? Because uh, that, that seems like that would have some emotional impact of some sort, you know? Well, it did. Um, you know, it, it, it did. I was, I won't say I was angry, but I was certainly estranged for, you know, those, my early college years. In fact, you know, my dad and I, we never really reconciled. Um, that was just the way it was. But what I found when I, when he passed, you know, we had, I had only seen him once between when I left home and when he passed, and, and that was probably, uh, you know, 20 years. And I finally forgave him, and that's what did it for me. You know, I had carried, like I say, it wasn't anger, sort of a blend of 
disappointment, you know, and, and anger and frustration in the relationship, you know, and I, I didn't come out of it very well, but I didn't let it hold me back. But when he passed, I finally had, had come to that place where I understood that he was just who he was. And, you know, he was a product of his upbringing. And I knew my grandfather had been a real tough old guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my father grew up in a really tough household. And so he carried on the way he was raised. And although it, 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 there was not a lot of love, and because there was not love, there was no respect. And out of that, and, and out of leaving home so early and taking on the challenges of my own life, when I finally had that opportunity to face the situation with him again, I had finally realized that he was just who he was. And, and so because I was able to forgive him, uh, it didn't allow me to forget you know, the, the things that I went through with him. But it did give me an, an opportunity to forgive him for what he had done. And in that way, I let it go. And, you know, it, it just, it was not baggage for me any longer. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's cool. Did you wish that um, you could have done that a little earlier? Or do you think that his passing played a part in your ability to do that? Wow, what a great question. Um, I'm sure that it, it played a part. But like I say, I hadn't seen him. I hadn't had contact with him for a number of years. So it wasn't a pinnacle, you know, change point. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be in that situation with, with him any longer. So I left. And, yeah. and, and, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people face that kind of situation, you know, in, in estrangement from their families for a variety of reasons. You know, how do you get through it? I don't know. How, you have to get through it, you have to get over it, or it drags along with you, you know, and, until you finally put the bags down. But again, I found that in understanding him better, for, you know, instead of putting my, my shade on it, just trying to understand who he was because that's who he was and the things that he went through in his life, that reality, you know, wasn't my job to try and change him. And I couldn't anyway. So, you know, forgiveness was, was the pivotal point. When I was able to forgive what he had done and the, the relationship, you know, that we had, um, forgiveness played the key for me. That's all, you know. Uh, I let it go, and I never got to tell him that, but... He does. If we, you know, if, if it's true that something happens after we die, then yeah, he knows that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And you, it, you, it, it, you, could been, it could have been better, it could have been worse, but it was what it was. No problem. No, that sounds like you really turned a negative into a positive and never looked back. And that says a lot, you know, that's a fighting spirit. Have you always been that way throughout your life? I think so. Yeah, I, I've always... And, you know, I'm always looking forward. I'm always trying to grow, even in, you know, a relationship to go south. Um, 
there's good things that you take out of a relationship. There's not so good things that you take out. But the longer you're away from that relationship, it's funny, you know, you sort of remember the good things more than you remember the bad things. And right. <laughs> the point for me has always been, you know, what were the good things and how do I capitalize on that? How do I use that to be a better person for me and my new relationships, whatever those might be at home, at work? And, you know, what part of the negative stuff was my part? Because yeah. when something goes out, you know, there's, there's two sides to the story, right? Mine, yeah. yours, and the truth. And mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we, whether our relationship is functioning and healthy and moving forward or not, you know, we're contributing to that. And I think the, the important part is to see, you know, what, what my part was that contributed to the negative and can I change that? How do I change, you know? How do I get the negativity out of my life so that in my next relationship, at work, at home, in community, you know, I can bring more positive, more love, more trust, more belief to it so that I can be, you know, the better part of it than I was in the past. For me, uh -huh. it's all about balance and growth. Absolutely, that's fantastic. Um, one question that comes to mind, what if you're dealing with people, like uh, let's say that your parents were mentally ill, for example, both of them, and in a way that maybe made them narcissistic or something you know, like that, not like bipolar or whatever, I guess that could work, but um, what if there's a mental illness in the relationship? How do you deal with that sort of thing? Um, you know, when you have a family member that maybe is adverse because of something that, you know, is, uh, you know, just off in their chemistry. Um, I know it's kind of a uh, weird question, but I just wonder, like, because yeah. the sense of reason kind of goes out the window, right? Like, when you're dealing with mental illness, sometimes it's not easy to have a rational conversation. So, you know, what do you do if you're in a situation like that and one side is, eager for truth and the other side is eager for self-preservation <laughs> you know well um well if it, the first part of that if it's you know your parents or a family member uh, you have to try and get professional help of course um you know everybody's carrying something from their past right we've all been victims of some sort of dysfunction as children. That's just human nature. That's you know, who we are. We, we grow up in households that are always in constant flux, and some of them are in constant struggle. And, you know, there's so many, well, there's so many identified mental, unhealthy mental situations now that when I was a kid, you know, they didn't have names. I mean, yeah. you know, somebody somebody might have been a little slow on the uptake, but it, it, it wasn't a big deal, and they were still part of the group, and yeah. you know, everybody everybody went out and, and played and did their thing, and, you know, we didn't have special education. They just sort of tagged along, and they got the help they could get, and, and it, everything wasn't identifiable. So we, all, we weren't trying to find a solution for it, you know, it's just... It was, you know. <laughs> some families, you know, had children who were different, and but they were still 
they were still part of the group. I mean, you know, yeah. they might have gotten bullied or intimidated, but we all got bullied. I mean, it was just, that was, you know, life was a little, I don't want to say it was simpler, but it was a little less complicated than when, you know, we didn't have the technology totally that agree. we have now. And, and we didn't have all of the ways to identify misbehavior, whatever that much like. So, you know, yeah. my first suggestion is if you can get professional help, you know, probably that's what you need to look into because that's the quickest way to get to the root of the problem. Right. And let it, and let, get, let it go, right? You, well, once you get to the root, then you have to figure out, is there a solution? And, you know, is everybody going to buy into trying to make that solution work? So. Um, in terms of partners, now that's a different situation, you know, in, in a relationship, again, at home or at work, and, and you've got a person or pe people that you're dealing with, you know, every day at, at home or work. If there's issues there, then again, you know, what's the issue, and is there a solution? Can we agree on the solution? And then, you know, what steps do we take to implement the solution? So. Uh, Mental health today, I guess, seems to be pretty broad. And, yeah. Um, they got a category know, category uh, for everybody, man. They got a category with your name on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if if I'm you know if, if I'm dyslexic or ADD or ADHD or bipolar or whatever it is, you know, I grew up kind of manic depressive and. They didn't have a name for it. It was manic depressive. You know, you were on top of the world one day or one moment, and then you were in the throes of depression. And to me, that was just growing up. Part of growing up it was who I was. But I was able to identify it. You know, I didn't know I had a name, but I realized what my behavior was, and so I tried to understand it and work through it. And. Um, you know, finally came out the other end and realized that there are certain things that, you know, kind of get a hold of me and get a hold of my psyche and take me to certain places. And, uh, you know, for me, it sort of worked in reverse because once I started writing, I started to identify that kind of behavior in the world around me. And for me, that triggers the story that I can write. And, and so, you know, I, I didn't realize what it was. And then when I did, did realize what it was, I knew that I had to understand it to work through it. And, and, I, and I was able to do that. How? I don't know. But I would know when I was in the depressed part, in the depression mode and mood that you know, it was temporary and I needed to get out of it somehow. And, and reaching for balance is what did it for me. I just tried to get control of that swing from the high and swing to the low. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think the easiest way is professional help. You, you know, you need to, and maybe that's where all my father's stuff came back to haunt me. I don't know. But, you know, you have to have someone or something that helps you work through that so you can analyze it and realize that's not who I am. 
you know, that I don't have to be in this place. So what can I do to get out of this place? And I think that's why professional help is so important. Um, you know, as early as you can find somebody to talk to, that helps because we all have to face those demons sooner or later. Mm -hmm. And if we refuse to face them, they're always going to be, you know, hanging onto our coattails, and and we're never going to get rid of them. If we can face them and figure out who they are and why they're there and, and what I can do to, you know, negate them or, or neutralize them or let go of them and move forward, you know, every step in that direction helps me further down that path. And, and that's, you know, that's what life is about, is overcoming struggles that may be real or may be imagined, but finding those solutions and when we come out that other end as a better person, as a healthier person, as a more mentally balanced person, and that's the person that I wish to be, then continuing on the path that helps me be that person. Again, it's all about growth, it's all about balance. And when we get those two, you know, coordinated, growth and balance, um, we can continue to move forward. You know, balance is the stability between our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit. And growth, I have found, is learning to replace old pattern behaviors with new responses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it might not always work, but as long as I'm not going back to that place of the old pattern, I've already been there, I already know what that consequence looks like. Yeah. And if I don't if I don't want to relive it, then I have to change it. And the way to change it is to get a new response and test that one out. And if it works, keep using that one. If yep. part of it works, then use that part that works. That's right. And and keep molding it and manipulating and massaging it so that each time I've got to make that decision, I'm more confident that the decision I'm going to make is going to give me a better consequence. And if it does, then I stay on that path. And, yeah. You know, you, you said it earlier, and I guess it is, I let the past, the past stuff go. I just don't dwell on it, you know. It's like if, I, if somebody comes into my life that's really negative, I'm polite and I'm civil, but I just don't have any time for it. You know, I say, you know, I wish I could help you, but I can't. So yeah. I have found that the universe is always in balance. Right, yeah. and as such, negative energy, just like positive energy, has to go somewhere. And if you don't allow negative energy in your life, if you just say no and don't allow it to, you know, become part of you, or you don't buy into it, it will go somewhere else. There's there's a lot of places for it to go. Yeah, it's just it's, it's not with me. So that's yeah. the way I approach it, and. You know, if there's negativity, I try and deal with it. If I can't make it better or, or make it positive, then I let go of it and, and move on and go somewhere else. Right on, man. Yep, that, that sounds absolutely perfect. Um, that sounds great, actually. You're exactly right. And it is really important to guard ourselves against that. We don't realize how much of a negative influence you know, even things like social media can be. But when somebody gets around you, and starts radiating that energy. I tend to believe that we have energy and we can pick up on different 
people's energy in different ways. But what we don't realize is that, in my belief anyway, we're constantly putting out signals and we're receiving signals and we're not aware of it. So when the negative energy is out there, if we pick up on it, unless we're really guarded against it. Um, at least that's what I found. And uh, through many years of counseling, and I'm still engaged in counseling now for some of my challenges, um, you know, what you just talked about is called, uh, I believe they call it reprogramming executive brain function. And so what you do is you uh, become desensitized over time through bad experience because you survive it. And uh, because you survive it, somehow it's not as dangerous as you might think. So you might let it slip through and you might, cons you know, you might even be enabling it. Uh, but yeah, getting rid of things and changing your perception based on the reprogramming of the mind is one of the key elements and it's the hardest thing and it does involve writing. That was the other thing. Um, you mentioned writing. You like to write. Uh, so you could probably write yourself into a better mood, you know, uh, which is great. You know, you've got that tool, but I think for a lot of folks, you know, at least um, it's hard to know if somebody's a negative influence or if something is a negative influence because we're so used to it, you know, and, and so I wonder how people can recognize, you know, in their own lives uh, a negative person. Um, and I'll just really quick point, uh, case in point, I'm thinking about somebody that I used to work with, this lady. She's the nicest lady ever, just as sweet as can be. And I mean, just really nice lady. And so we got to be friends outside of work and she lives on the other side of the country. And so we talk here and there and everything. And she would complain to me a lot about her housemate and her housemate was accusing her of stealing and doing other weird things that she would never do, not a chance, you know, and so somehow or another it turned into her paying for a bunch of things and, you know, being upside down a couple thousand dollars into this person that was a constant negative influence. And so, you know, my thought at first was you got to get away from this person. <laughs> so, you know, of course, that's what I told her and sure enough, she got away from the person. She's now living a much happier life with nicer people and better job and everything's great but you know I think sometimes people get burned and it kind of sours them you know and I, I I can tell you at least for myself I can I can see it you know and it's easy to see why people become cynical um, so we want to keep hope you know on the horizon here and uh, for people that don't even know that they have negative people in their lives what would you say you know maybe as an inventory or something for people to start thinking about this because whether they know it or not these people are probably holding them back right wow um i know that yeah, was a mouthful yeah. man <laughs> no that's well you know i, I want to go back to a couple of steps number sure. one journal journaling you know is a good outlet it, it allows people to express feelings and emotions that maybe they don't want to express out loud right so they write them down and, and keeping a journal, keeping a diary is an outlet for that expression, for those emotions that's still secret. So that's a, that's a good ask or a good um, way to sort of get it out on paper so you can look at it. And, you know, it, you've got that dialogue going in your head all the time. And 
when it's the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder going back and forth, it can be frustrating and confusing. But people who often journal or keep diaries, you know, it allows you to express what you're thinking about, what you're feeling in sort of a different mode so you can go back and reflect on it. That's why, you know, what I try to do in my writing is exactly that, is lay out a scenario where the reader will identify with the person in the story and then they see the theme or the underlying lesson in the story and then they can go back and reflect on how much of that, if any, you know, might be what they're feeling or what they're experiencing in their life. So that's why the writing is so important. Um, gosh, what was the next thing you said? Oh, it's okay. Um, okay. I was I was curious about... Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back in my mind, too. <laughs> that was a long question. Sorry. Um, so... If someone has a negative influence in their life, how can they oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, how can they okay. recognize and remove it, you know, so they can okay. move on? That, and, what's, and what's the detriment to their life keeping that in their life? Great question. Great question. Here, here's, here's what I think, and here's what I found. You know, because we are spirit at our core and in our essence, we are all, before we're born, we are all just a little bundle, a, lead, a, a unit of electrical charge, right? And now this is a little off the story, but okay. if, you believe in, if you believe in God, then, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we understand God as the creator. Yes. So when we are born, that little bundle of energy, that little cosmic electrical unit that we are, is, a, is our spirit, because God is spirit. And, and when we are born, we are mind, body, soul, and spirit. And our spirit inhabits our soul. Our soul is our inner consciousness and subconsciousness, you know, separate from our mind and our body. The great thing about God's love is, because we have his spirit, because he's the creator and he is spirit, then each of us has that connection to him when we're born. That connection, that spiritual connection with God, with the cosmos, with the universe, innately, we know right from wrong for that reason, but we also can identify as we grow loving behavior and unloving behavior. And I can tell you that, as a child, I experienced unloving behavior, right, mm -hmm. in my situation. And although, you know, in our maturation process, we might not understand it, but inside, I can identify loving behavior and unloving behavior. Right. It's a natural so instinct. Exactly. So when you're in a relationship, Regardless of what the excuses are, what the blame is, what the story is, if you're being abused or mistreated, you know that that's not loving behavior. Right. And just like your, your friend, you know, you have to get out of that situation or it has to change one way or the other. Uh, you know, Daryl Royal, when he had his heyday in the 60s with the Longhorns at the University of Texas, 
had a great running game, right? And uh, people always used to ask him, especially the press used to ask him, well, why don't you throw? Why don't you have a passing game? And he said, when you pass, three things can happen, and two of them are bad. So we <laughs> run the ball, right? Yeah. It can be dropped, it can be intercepted, or it can be caught. He said, I just go with the percentages. Well, it's the same thing in a relationship that's going south or that's difficult or that, you know, has this constant turmoil and trouble and issues and problems. You can either stay and have it continue. You can either stay and change it or you can leave. Yeah. And only one of those is good for your mental health. So it's got to change. You know, it's got to change for the better or it's got to be terminal it's got to end and just like you told your friend you know you've got to get out of that situation she innately knew whether or not she wanted to you know buy into the fact that she was being financially abused she knew that inside in her heart in her yeah. subconscious she needed somebody to you know prod her to trigger her to spur her to get out of that situation yeah and you did and she did so you know, now she's much happier. So that solved it. So many of our relationships today, you know, people are staying for all the wrong reasons and then yes. rationalizing yes. the abuse and the misuse and, and all of these things. And they, they say, well, I can't get out. Well, then it's either got to change or you're going to live a life of misery. And, and I understand economically for a lot of people, you know, it's difficult to lead their situation. And that's what that's what you have when, you know, when you have a generation after generation of people who are unskilled and uneducated and in dire situations with children and debt and responsibilities and, and things that just, you know, the layer upon layer upon layer of turmoil that's burying them alive how do you change that situation? And that's where the struggle comes, you know? And, and so we have a lot of people who are in abusive situations who stay for whatever reasons and live a life of misery, you know? They are uncomfortably numb, as Pink Floyd would say. <laughs> and, you know, how do you help people like that? I don't know. Uh, but I see a lot of situations, you know, even in my own community, where there's no way I could I could be in that situation. I would have to leave no matter what the consequences were yeah. because it's just unhealthy. In in inside, my point is we always know inside God has given us that awareness to identify loving behavior and unloving behavior. Mm -hmm. and, and honest, that those are it's it's a matter of right and wrong, right? Like loving behavior is right, unloving behavior is wrong. Simple. Well, here's here's the problem, Todd. You know, when that little spirit I just talked about, when it is with us, when we're born, we innately know right from wrong. About age two, we get to understand what right and wrong means because we start to realize and understand what reward and punishment are. And so we grow up identifying right and wrong as the concept, 
but it plays out in our lives as reward or punishment. And this is reinforced by our society because we live in, every society lives in, a legalistic society where it's about reward and punishment. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we identify with. And unless our spirit has an opportunity to reconnect with God once again, we don't understand the why. See, we know the how. The how is right and wrong. It's either I do something and I get rewarded, or I do something else and I get punished. And so, you know, we grow up trying to get rewarded and keep from getting punished. And the world throws lots of temptations and lots of tests and lots of challenges to us that test whether or not I'm going to do the right thing or I'm going to do the punishment reward wrong thing, mm. right? And so, so that's how we live our lives. Um, what I'm about to do, is it right or is it wrong? Well, am I going to get rewarded or am I going to get punished as the consequence? Mm -hmm. When we reconnect with the Lord and we get our spirit activated again, what happens is we now can see the truth, right? The truth becomes evident in our world and in our lives. The reason it becomes evident is because God is fundamentally truth and love. Hmm. And as a Christian, as a Christian, see, I get that from belief in Jesus Christ. When I invite Christ into my life, he says in scripture and he promises me he will send his spirit, which is the same spirit of God the Father, to become one with my spirit, with my little spirit inside that knows right and wrong. He's now going to send his Holy Spirit to be with me. And what that does is it reveals to me the truth. Now, growing up with right and wrong, I see the truth, but I always have my way to rationalize, you know, the lie, the fabrication, the fake part. Um, I can buy into that just as easily as I can recognize the truth. When the Spirit of God comes to me through belief in Christ, then I have a new choice because now I truly see the truth. And because I see the truth, I automatically see the false, see the fake, see the fabrication, see the lie. It's no longer veiled behind all of my human rationalization. It is the truth or it's not the truth. And what that does is because you've taken on the Spirit of Christ to be with you and you now recognize truth for what it is, you now recognize the moral and the ethical part of truth. Mm -hmm. And when we have the moral and the ethical there, it's more than, is it right or wrong? That's the world's way. Is it right or wrong? Do I get rewarded or punished? Mm -hmm. Now when I have the Spirit of God living within me, is it moral or is it ethical? Is it immoral or amoral? Is it unethical? So my choice, whatever my choice is going to be now in my decision, I've got to make a choice. How am I going to respond? Am I going to respond morally and ethically or not? And this is what the difference is, Todd. When it's just me in the world, I'm choosing between right and wrong for me mm -hmm. because the world has shown me that it's all about me. 
and I should get what I want right now because it's me. And it doesn't matter how much harm I do or whose toes I step on or what crimes I commit, because it's all about me, I can do it. When there's a moral and ethical dilemma in there for me, it's no longer just about me. Mm-hmm. Now, when I make a decision, the moral and ethical part or unmoral and unethical obligation of the action is going to affect more than just me. When I choose to be moral or ethical, it affects me, but it also affects my entire life. It affects how I respond on my relationships. It affects how I respond at work with my employees or my co-workers. It responds how I work with my community. If I continue to be all about me and right or wrong, full speed ahead, then it's only what the consequence is for me. Now that I know truth and I know morals and I know ethics, every decision or choice I make has that shadow. Whatever I do, whether it's moral or amoral or immoral, affects not only me, it affects my family, it affects my community, it affects my nation, it affects my world. Because mm-hmm. you're you're a part of the process, absolutely, and it spreads out. So everybody you touch and how you influence their lives in different ways, absolutely. That's amazing. So it, just from my own faith experience, you know, to me, there's a sense of intrinsic happiness and joy in that process. And I, I really like it, actually. I'm very proud to be an ethically grounded person with solid morals that I live by, and I'll die by them, too. Um, I don't see much of a difference. You know, you're committed to, uh, you know, something good and you really can't let anything throw it off track. Um, so in terms of faith, that's fantastic. Um, absolutely. And uh, people can find this just by, you know, getting close to Jesus and strengthening their faith. I mean, that's the key for our belief system. but. I mean, this is going to be a left-field question, but can people achieve those things in, in other dynamics of faith, do you think? Sure. Sure okay. they can. Good. Yeah. Jesus was a master teacher, right? Yep. Buddha was a master teacher. Yep. Uh, Muhammad was a master teacher. Yep. Krishna was a master teacher. Every religion and every faith system and spiritual belief system has an originator of thought. And... and each of those masters were given that by God, okay? This is the only way God can reach the entire population of the entire planet because we have, you know, different groups, different um, ethnics, different Mm -hmm. populations, Mm -hmm. different races. So each of those, what turns out to be a religious belief or spiritual belief or a belief system, has an original thought master. And they all receive the same information from God. That is, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Treat your neighbor as yourself. That's the foundation of all spiritual belief, all religious belief, all systems of faith have that same core. Believe and know God. You know, believe and trust in your neighbor. So every religion, every spiritual system, every belief system because that's at its core, 
all of us can live a better life. We can come from our higher loving self and understand, identify, and apply truth in our lives. That's our individual choice. So it's not, it's not just about Jesus. The difference between Jesus and all of those other masters is, particularly for the Christian, he is God in human form, right? Mm -hmm. His role is different than all the other masters' roles. You know, no other master, no other of those um, leaders of men ever claimed to be the Son of God. And this is, this is what makes Christianity different from all the other religions. Jesus was the Son of God. For Christians, that's our belief. And that's, that's the fundamental difference. Other than that, all of the core of religious belief is the same. Now, why are they so different? Well, here's what happened. When each of those masters died, it left a void, right? He had taught his system and his connection with God to others. But because he was the master, when he died, somebody had to fill that space. <laughs> and there's never anyone exactly like the master was. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, people who are close to it, but you, you only have one original, right? And so when he's gone, that vacuum is filled by those people who want that title, that position. Mm -hmm. And uh, because there's usually a number of those people who want to be the number one guy, all of a sudden there's conflict, there's competition, there's backstabbing, there's, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. All mm -hmm. of those sort of human dynamics take place. And in filling that void, what you find in every religion, even Christianity is, as soon as the master's gone, the purity is gone. And once the purity of thought and action is gone, then the ways of the world get ingrained and sort of take over or remold the thinking. And that's where we get religions who say one thing, which is all religions, and do another thing, which is all religion. And because it, you know, it, it continues to morph and redefine itself, and and we get further and further from the truth, then we start to get these dichotomies in the religion of, well, this is what we say we do, but in reality we do this other thing. And that's when people start to lose faith in religion, you know, and. The Imam and the Rabbi and the Pope and they're all saying this is the way we should behave and behind closed doors they're behaving like the devil himself. So, you know, people start to fall away from religion and, and spiritual systems and then when they do, they start to turn their back on God. And once they do that, then they start to embrace the ways of the world and of course the ways of the world are to keep us in slavery to keep us bound to keep us suffering because it's all about power and money in the world and if you're not part of that power and money group then you're on the outside and of course those groups are always going to keep control any way they can and usually that's at the expense and the lives 
of all of those who can't. So we, we live in a world full of struggle because we've lost that connection, that spiritual connection with the original thought founder. Yes. And, and, and unless you're willing or want to go back to that place, your life is going to be full of stress, full of pressure, full of struggle and conflict because that's the ways of the world. That's the way the world controls us. And that's the way the people in power, in corporations, in governments, in religions, keep that control and that power is by subjugating everyone else and allowing them to suffer while telling them everything will be better. Yeah. And if you, if you don't know that to be the truth, then you believe that to be the truth. You believe that the lie is true. You believe that the fabrication is true. And yet, deep down in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, you know that it's not true. That's right. Isn't that what they call gaslighting? <laughs> that's what they call gaslighting. Yeah, man, that's a terrible thing. Um, and speaking of terrible things, we're almost out of time. I can't believe how fast this went. This, uh, it's been a powerful conversation. I really appreciate this. Um, but I don't want to leave people without something special. And that would be your books. And I'd like to know how people can find a way to read your books and get more of this information and learn more. I know we miss probably a lot of topics that we could talk about. We can do this again for sure. Um, but how do people find more and learn more about you? Thanks. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for asking. Uh, real simple. Just Google my name. Branch, like a tree, Isole, I-S, like Sam, O-L-E. Uh, I've got a website. I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, same thing, just my name. And there's lots of things there for people to read, uh, get a taste, see if they're interested, contact me. But if you just Google my name, it's got, you know, all the information, all the books, all the articles, all the podcasts. And, and you can learn more. That is awesome. And what can people expect to take away from reading your books? It sounds like you've got an interesting style of writing. It's a little bit unique and offers some uh, opportunity for introspection. Is that right? That's right. It's about self-reflection. Here's what I write about. I write about personal responsibility or its avoidance. Mm -hmm. I write about the link between choice and consequence. And I write about the power of truth. Yes. And if any of those things, you know, are interesting to people, then, then they might find some things that they like. That's awesome. And the way that you write, is it actionable? Like, uh, you know, they can read something and take away from it right away? Or is it broken down in different groups? How do you um, organize all of that content? Uh, lots of fiction, but it all has a takeaway. Every story has a takeaway. You can't read one of my stories without going, wow, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, Good. Also, since we're talking, if, if they go to my website, I've got mm -hmm. a, a link there called Podcast. Mm -hmm. And there's four different sections in the podcast. Every one of those has a free PDF download that, ah. will, give the core, that will give the core of that section. Um, one, is, one is spirituality. One is life balance. Uh, one is about relationships. So there's a free PDF there, and then there's a couple of links for podcasts that talk in detail about those contents. 
That is awesome. Very cool. So they can go and check you out, get something that they can take into their own lives and start to do some reflecting and uh, hopefully they'll use this information to improve their lives. That's really the goal is to have a, a happy life, I guess, uh, with balance and joy because uh, it sounds like the big distinction here and the takeaway is uh, the spiritual world is awesome. The world of the world sucks. And uh, if we can marry those two things in a way that works, then we're good. But it requires um, it requires faith and dedication to being a better person, really, right? Amen. Right on, man. Right on. I'm with you, brother. Yeah, let's. I want to be the shining light in the end of uh, all of this because the darkness cannot live in the light. That's the beauty of it. And I know it sounds a little funny to some people, maybe, but it, it's an interesting thing to think about you know love is the light hate is the darkness and so if we're constantly you know uh, living in the light the darkness can never get to us there's no way for darkness to overtake the light it's not even possible so that's the beauty of it i think it's great and just to wrap up is there anything that we might have missed or something else that you might like to share that would be of value to people listening today Thanks, Todd. You know, people always ask me, I want to change my life, right? Mm-hmm. I want to make a change in my life. So my question to them is, well, what kind of life do you want? What does that look like? And what's your plan to make that happen? And that's usually the stumbling block, right? We've got to have steps that we can implement to make that change happen to get that life that we want. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't know and you don't have those steps, then ask yourself this question, and this will help you get on the path. The quintessential question is, in that new plan I have for my life, will I allow God to be a part of it? And if you will, then he'll set you on that path, changing that life. Man, but I, I have to... And I don't want to say correct by any means, but um, God being a part of your life, hello, uh, we're a part of his life, man. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. You know, that's the funny part. I think we get confused and that's where the me first, you know, I don't uh, No, it's not me too, it's me first. Yeah, The me first mindset comes into play. You know, I think even spiritually minded people get locked up in that especially leaders you know they say power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely is that the thing that's uh, it yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. crazy thing but there's a way and uh, life does well, have a lot of wonderful things to offer here's here's what you just said and this is why it's so true mm-hmm. god is always ready with open arms right to welcome us in or welcome us back but here's the kicker God will never force himself on us. It has to be a voluntary decision on our part to make him part of our life again. And once we do that, man, he's all in. Mm-hmm. Is there a way for uh, someone who's currently a non-believer that uh, they can access this without having to go to a church? Yes, there is. There How sure does... is. I'm, I'm going to give you four scriptural references you don't have to go to church just get a bible or go online to any of the places you can download a bible and all you need is is these four scriptures number one matthew 7 
7 and 8. So chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. You ask Christ to come into your life. You just invite him in. Okay? Mm-hmm. The next verse is John 14, verses 16 and 26. Mm-hmm. When you invite him in, he will send his spirit of truth, his Holy Spirit, to be with your spirit. Now, once you have his spirit, every time you face a problem or decision or a choice, all you have to do is ask him for assistance. You just say, what would Jesus do in this situation? And the scripture there is John 16, 13, and Isaiah 48, 17. Beautiful. And what's and the last then, one? When you have his spirit, you go to John 14, 6, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what you do is you emulate his way of behaving. You become Christ-like. You do what Jesus would do in the same situation. And then finally, you go to Romans 10, verses 9, 10, 13, and 17. And when you understand and read that and repeat that verse, your life hereafter is guaranteed no matter what you do the rest of your life. That's beautiful, and no one can take it away from you either. Same. Nope. It's once, once you're there, you're there. And what, what it'll do is it encourages us to be better people, to be more Christ-like in our life, to That's be right. honest, to come from our highest loving self, and to you know, be truthful in our lives. It's automatic. Once you've got your spirit, walking the path is the easy part. But those five, those five steps with those scriptures will give you everything you need to have a relationship with God and to move forward in your life. You don't need to know anything else about the Bible if you don't want to. Absolutely. And, and I'm a Christian too. And I will say from my own experience, I was baptized early on, but I had another baptism in my adult life, and you know, just to be reborn was uh, honestly one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. It was great, and it's just a fantastic um, journey it's been, and sometimes it's not that great. Um, I will say that this doesn't make life all sun, sunshine and rainbows and lollipops, that's for sure. Uh, exactly. But that's the point, is uh, we're supposed to be exactly. tested, you know, tested to adhere to our faith and our principles and morals and live a life that's worthy of recognition at the end right like and, uh, yeah exactly well once you once you're once you're there nothing of this world when you're reborn nothing of this world will fill that void in your heart like that relationship with christ yes nothing, nothing. that's right that's exactly right man yeah and, and i can attest to that absolutely um one more Bible passage or, or chapter I think is really important to Psalm 91 and uh, I know that's kind of something that not many people might know about but Psalm 91 in the Bible is one of my favorites it's about how God protects us and lets us walk through you know the dangerous places and be protected and uh, that's one of the ones that first spoke to me outside of Proverbs I used to read Proverbs a lot in high school <laughs> love Proverbs man yeah how could you go wrong with that if that doesn't get your brain if that doesn't get your brain working you're dead inside like you know something's not right but uh yeah i completely agree brother 
Um, right on, man. Well, thank you so much. I hate to cut this short. Um, we should do this again and maybe explore some more things, um, you know, related to your book and Christianity. I'd love to have some discussion about that. I know a lot of people are thinking about the rapture and, you know, things oh, yeah. like that. Oh, that's a big one, man. So, you know, oh. yeah, we can't even get started because that'll just, that could no. go on for us. <laughs> well, you know what? If, if people want to know a little more about the rapture, I have 10 different series posted on my website about the end time. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And is that uh, like your perception or is it um, what they call no, it's, divine it's, inspiration? Well, it's six years of study and divine, you know, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 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 Some of the best stuff comes uh, when we're not thinking about it, right? Always. <laughs> John Lennon had a point. Life is what happens yeah. when you're busy making other plans. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Branch, this has been a really great experience talking with you, and I appreciate you sharing your experience and wisdom and your faith and giving some people out there something they can actually take away and use. And, you know, I hope for people that are looking for it, they'll take your advice and go to those Bible quotes and find something that uh, will change their lives. And um, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. It's been an honor, buddy. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Awesome. You have a great day now. You too. to the Toddcast show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out toddcastshow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode.